0: Good morning. (laughs) Thank you all so much. Um, I feel completely honored um, that Pastor Isaac asked me to speak this Mother's Day, and I am excited. I'm nervous, but I love just what the Lord did in me this last week, and just giving me this word, and I'm very excited to share it with all of you. And I just want to say um, happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, and I shared this at the 40th anniversary, but, um, you know, every single day we miss Pastor Dewey. He's in our hearts. And I'll never forget the day I met him. I was so nervous. I was meeting Isaac's dad. And I'll never forget, at the end of the day, he looked right at me and he said, I love you. And it was amazing. Like, there was nothing I had to prove to him for him to accept me into his family. And it was the same thing when I met Pastor Rhonda. She was just so loving and amazing. And I'm honored to be a Fridell. So I just want to say I love you, Mom. And Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here today. And if no one sees how hard you're working, God sees how hard you're working. And he honors you today. So um, the last couple weeks, Pastor Isaac has been preaching on breaking through. And last week was incredible. If you weren't here, please listen to the sermon because it was amazing. And so I'm going to be closing the series with breaking through rejection. So I'm going to be reading out of Genesis 29, verse 16. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel, a lovely figure, and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. When morning came, there was Leah. Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom to give you the younger daughter in marriage first. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one and return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. Jacob's love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And the next part of the passage is... The whole emphasis of my message, it's very important. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah gave birth to a son, she named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too, and she named him Simeon. And again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And she named him Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. And she stopped having children. Isn't it always true sometimes in life that we think that people have it a little bit better than we do, or we think that the grass is greener on the other side. And, you know, sometimes we even, we look at another couple and we think like, like Rick Hankins is always opening the car door for Sandy, and it's beautiful. And I'm like, wow, wouldn't that be nice if Isaac ever opened my door? I mean, I don't really care, but when you see it happening, you're like, gosh, that would be so nice. And you know I was talking to my friend and she was complaining to me about how her husband only picks up after himself and only washes his dishes. And I said, "How can you complain about that? My husband doesn't do any dishes and he doesn't clean up after himself ever. It's like I'm raising 3 kids at home." Okay? And he was an only child, so I have the grace for it God has given. I'm a good Christian. I have a lot of grace for my husband. But it's true. We always want what we don't have. And that was the case for Leah and Rachel. Leah wanted what Rachel had. Rachel was beautiful and Jacob loved her. And Rachel wanted what Leah had. Leah was blessed by God and God was blessing her with these beautiful children. But what sticks out to me the most about this story is just how unloved Leah was. Which brings me to my first point that you can't change what was done to you. What happened to Leah was out of her control. Her father gave her away in a deceitful way, her sister envied her, and her own husband didn't want or love her. I can imagine that Leah was questioning the Lord. Lord, why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why am I going through this? And I'm sure that we do the same thing. You know, We love the Lord and we think, Lord, why am I going through this loneliness or why do I feel unwanted? And a lot of times what happens is instead of running to Jesus like we should in the first place, We end up running to people or to other things to fill that void in our life. Leah thought she could fix it. Leah thought if she had these children for Jacob, that Jacob would love her. But what I believe in my heart is that God did not give Leah her children so that Jacob would love her. I believe that God gave her her children so that she would find purpose and she would have something to love. Something that I really learned at the Dream Center was And I love their whole policy there. They have this amazing discipleship program, and I went through the program 14 years ago. But what they do is they take all these broken people and they put them through this discipleship program, and instead of them just focusing on themselves, they actually put them out in the community to serve other people. And what I believe is when you're so consumed with your problems and everything that you're going through, that's all you see. But when you can get out of yourself and you can go and serve other people, you can see a lot of times that people have it worse than you you know that's why in the bible i believe that jesus pushed us to love one another and to serve one another and to forgive one another but we're not supposed to find our validation in people we're supposed to find our validation solely in jesus we're not supposed to find validation in our parents in our children in our friends but only in god because I think what happens is, is when we try to find that validation in people, we actually set ourselves up for rejection because the acceptance that we want can only come through God. When Isaac and I were first married, it was like World War V in our house. Like we were fighting constantly, bickering and, and just arguing. We were very young. I was 21 and he was 23. And I can remember we lived with his parents, and I can remember we would be fighting, and Pastor Rhonda would be walking around the house singing, be kind and compassionate to one another, (laughs) and it drove me bananas. I was like, stop singing that. I can't take it. But the truth was is, you know, even though I had gone through the discipleship program, I was still struggling with, like, abandonment issues and rejection issues, and I was looking for that in Isaac. And I wasn't supposed to be looking for that affection from Isaac. I was supposed to be going to God for that. And what's amazing is, is once I stopped fighting with him or having all these expectations on him and I was able to receive from God, I was actually a better wife. And we stopped, not that he was perfect by any means, but we didn't argue (laughs) near as much. And I was able to love him for the husband that God had given me, not for what he could do for me. And my point number two is, when you see rejection, God sees your value. You are not alone in this fight. The devil's real. And Satan's number one goal is to get you to believe the lie that God does not love you or accept you right now. God sees you. Everyone around you might not see what you're going through, but God does. God has always had his eyes on you. He sees what no one else can see. He sees our true value for who we are on the inside. God saw Leah's potential, but Leah couldn't see it. She struggled to see it, but God continued to bless her with her sons. The first was Reuben, which means he has seen my misery. Surely Jacob will love me now. Leah was hoping with all her heart that Jacob would stop rejecting her. Then she had Simeon which meant one who hears. So she said, because the Lord heard, I am not loved. He has given me this one too. Then came Levi, which meant attached. So she said, surely my husband will become attached to me now. I can't imagine Leah's frustration in all of this. You know, I believe she was a woman of God. I believe that she prayed and she was asking the Lord for her husband to love her. And it wasn't happening the way that she wanted it to happen. Leah had chosen names that reflected the suffering and the loneliness that she felt. And the next part of the story is amazing because something amazing happens to Leah. All of a sudden, she begins to rise above her hopelessness, and she chooses to name her son Judah, which means, This time, I will praise the Lord. Leah no longer wanted to be defined by her misery or by her pain. She knew in order to be the mother she wanted to be, she needed to turn to God. Her praise was no longer contingent if Jacob loved her or if her father accepted her, but on who she was as a child of God. You can't wait until things get better in your life to turn to the Lord. Because what if that child doesn't come home right away? What if that husband or wife doesn't change the way you want them to, or your parents aren't who they're supposed to be? You can miss out on all that Jesus has for you. Because what happens is we get stuck in that bitterness and God doesn't want us to stay there. I remember being so upset with God that my parents weren't in my life. My parents were alive and yet I felt like an orphan. I wanted nothing more than to have this family. And I'll never forget, in the worst part of my life, Jesus showed up on my bedroom floor There was no one around me. There was no pastor to guide me. There were no friends there and no parents. It was just me and Jesus. And I'll never forget, for the first time, I felt the Father's love. For the first time, there was a glimpse of hope in my heart. And I knew that the Lord was going to change my life. I had no idea what that was going to look like or how he was going to do it, but I knew it deep down. And here I am, 14 years later, married to a pastor, and I'm living a life that I could have only dreamed of. And I know that it's only because of God's grace that I'm here because he never took his eye off me and I love these scriptures. Psalm twenty seven ten says though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Yeah. Ephesians 1 5 says God decided in advance to adopt us into himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It gives him pleasure that you're his son, our daughter. God has chosen you. He accepts you right now just the way you are. There's nothing you have to do to change, to gain God's love. When we accept God and we fully surrender to him, the things that he can do in us and through us is beyond what we can ever imagine. And I love this about God because God takes all our brokenness and can turn it into a beautiful message that gives him glory. And my final point is God can turn your rejection into a blessing. Leah had no idea how God was going to use her in an amazing way. When you look in the beginning of the book of Matthew, you see the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to the beginning of time. You see in verses 2 and 3, it says that Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot Judah. This is so cool. Jesus came from the line of Judah Judah came from Leah, and sorry, Judah came from Leah, the one that Jacob didn't even want. Jesus came, our Savior came and was born out of the rejection of Leah. If you are feeling rejected today, if you are feeling unloved today, God wants you to know that you are chosen. If you have been rejected, God has a way of selecting what man has rejected. When God saw Leah rejected, he said, I'm gonna use this woman to bring forth what Rachel never could. I am the God of the rejected. I am the God of the widow. I am the God of the orphan. I am the God of the addicted. I am the God of those who have come from a broken home. I accept, God accepts what man rejects. God sees you, Leah. Jacob might not see you or love you, but I see you and I love you. And I'm gonna get ready to close here jesus understood our rejection he lived with rejection most of his life god sent his son to die on a cross to save a world that didn't even want him but jesus leaves us the best example and the most important part of overcoming our rejection while jesus hung on the cross As he was being mocked out and beaten and blood oozing from every part of his body. And in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was rejected, but he chose forgiveness. And out of that came the greatest accomplishment of all time, giving you and me eternal life. And the last thing I'm going to share with you is this story about a young man from Greenville, Texas. And from the outside, this man's life, this young boy's life looked normal, but from the inside, he was full of pain. His mother had abandoned him and left him with a very, very abusive father. And every single day, this this boy had to endure his father's abuse. And by the time he was in high school, he knew that his father loved football. And so he thought, maybe now if I can play football, my dad will accept me and love me. And that wasn't the case. The father continued to con- to beat him and so while he was playing football he was injured and he his father still was rejecting him and and beating him and while he was injured he decides to leave home and he discovers that he has this amazing talent to sing so he goes and he tries to pursue a career as a christian artist and while he was out he was trying to make it in the industry but there was something holding him back It was all that unforgiveness that he was harboring against his father and so he hears from the Lord to go home and to face his father and when he gets there he realizes that there's something different about his dad that his dad is not the monster he once was he has a smile on his face and a a light in his eye and the father begins to tell the boy how he got pancreatic cancer and he had turned his heart over to Jesus And over the next five years, it's just beautiful how him, how this boy and his father rekindled their relationship. And he was able to forgive his dad and they were able to build this great relationship. And then it came time when the father passed away. And this boy was kind of hurt. He asked the Lord, Lord, why did you take him from me? The father that I've always wanted, why is he now not in my life? And as he began to just weep and cry out to the Lord, he started writing down these words, I can only imagine. And he started thinking about this song and thinking about his dad, how he could only imagine seeing his father again. And he had no idea at the time how big this song was going to go. But out of his hurt and pain and then the forgiveness with his dad, He wrote, I Can Only Imagine, and that man was Bart Millard of Mercy Me. And I love that story because it's just a perfect description of what forgiveness is. And not only was that song huge in the Christian world, it was huge everywhere, even in the secular world. I believe that God led Bart back home to walk out that forgiveness with his father so that he could complete the work that God was doing inside of him. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He he doesn't just want us to forget about it and move on. He wants us to heal and walk through that forgiveness. I can tell you today that I have forgiven my parents. I love my parents, and I have a great relationship with my parents through the grace of God. And there is always hope. There's always hope, even for those who we think are hopeless. God can do a miracle with them just like he did for us. Amen.
1: Amen. Let's just stand to our feet right now. Nobody, nobody moving in the back right now. And let's just bow our heads in prayer right now. This is a A special moment with a special sermon, God, that you have blessed us with this morning, Father. That that we just heard a message, but we didn't just hear a message, we saw a message. Because we saw a person up there that's able to proclaim that, yeah, I was rejected and I was broken. But yet, I turned to Jesus and I overcame it all. I broke free from that trap of rejection because... That trap of rejection has so many people right now. And because of that, you're, you're in this, this cave of, of bitterness, and you're waiting for the other person to, to clean up, and then you'll be able to forgive them. Then you'll be able to walk in your God-given destiny. But you don't have to wait for any other person to shape up and clean up or ask for forgiveness or or become a better person or apologize, but it's in your hands. Your key to freedom is in your hands this morning. Your key to a better life is in your hands this morning. And that door is open for you this morning. That that door to freedom that you can walk through if you want to, or you could choose to stay bitter and stay broken and stay angry at what was done to you, and you would have every right in the natural. But on the other side of that door is a dream come true for you. That, as we heard Diamond preach this morning that she's, she's a witness that dreams come true. That you don't have to stay where you are. That you're not defined by the place that you grew up. You're not defined by what was done to you. But you are defined by what your Savior says about you about what he says you are and what you can do in him. And this morning, if, if, if this message was for you, if you have battled rejection from your past, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up right now. You could point to God and say, I, I need to be set free from this right now, this morning. I'm not gonna wait any longer if that's you. Shoot your hand up. One, two, three three. Praise God. God, you see these hands. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We haven't done this in a while, but I want, I want Diamond to lay hands on everybody right now that is battling this, and, and I'm going to be at the front too to pray with you. If you raise your hand, we, we want to pray for you this morning. It's the power of partnership. When two or three are gathered in his name, God is in the midst and we, we want to lay hands on you. We want to pray a special prayer. Just just come forward right now. If, if this message was for you, we haven't done this in a long time. Don't miss this opportunity right now. Praise God. Amen. Diamond, you could go down. And, and while, while we're praying for everybody right now, if we could just sing that song one more time. Alana, if you could lead us. And if you're here, I just want you just just to lift your hands, pray for the people that are up front, pray for your own lives. Some of you, you may not even know that you still harbor some bitterness in your soul. I uh, just ask that God will come down and touch you this morning, that'll reach you. Praise God. All of my life. Yeah.